Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can also watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Well, I had my first opportunity to go on Matt's show in the afternoon yesterday, and and, and he asked me what was it going to take for the Cajuns to to beat one of these ranked nationally ranked power five teams after failing in their first, however many attempts against what did they lose to Alabama twice, LSU twice and, and Texas twice. And I said that it would probably need to be about a three to two to four to three game. And they would stop having to make a bunch of SIW. So what do they do? They go out, Walk three batters, get a pass ball, and it's you know make two errors, <laughs> fall down four to nothing. What we didn't factor in was that Texas is not a perfect team. Now, early on they kind of struggled, and other people make mistakes too. Sometimes, not just you, even though. Sometimes fans think that way. And even though they had won 15 in a row and were playing tremendous, uh, they made errors too. They made three of them and uh, counted for four unearned runs. And the Cajuns, for once, kind of turned the tables instead of the Cajuns being the only one doing a little imploding. Texas did some of it, and the Cajuns took full advantage of it, like Alabama and LSU and Texas did uh, in the in those first six meetings. So big win for the Cajuns, six to five. Look, when the committee sits down and looks at, have you beaten anyone and any of that later? Uh, if this win is going to help, it's not going to matter. the The committee's not going to sit there and analyze. Well, in the fifth inning, if this didn't happen, or this umpire didn't make this call, or this guy this girl would have just caught this pop-up or whatever. They're not going to psychoanalyze all these games. They're going to look at the result, and that's it. So it doesn't matter how it happened. And the bottom line is the other games happened the way they did, and this one happened the way it did, and and the Cajuns got a win. When Bobby was on Tuesday, we talked about the big picture a little bit, and I don't know. I kind of agree with Bobby, especially – with this win, that if the Cajuns can win the regular season, even if they don't win the conference tournament, I think they'll get in. Well, and they should get in at that point. Um, This obviously helps because you don't want to be like, well, you haven't beaten anybody, you know, in the top whatever, 40 or 30 or whatever, you know, top 25. The rankings really, we talk about, we remind ourselves, they really mean nothing. It's just that, you know, it's just when you beat a good team, their RPI is good, then it makes you look better. So 
Um, and it, and it, you know, strengthens your, you know, how many good wins do you have? And so it's good. Uh, at the beginning of the week, Coach Glasgow said he he really thinks they need to win three out of four. Um, we talked about it Tuesday with Bobby. Probably that was twofold. One, you want to continue to play well against good teams. Well, you want to really start to play well against good teams because that's the one thing they haven't done this season. Um, and it'll help you in terms of teams, you know, I don't know. I looked up Texas State's RPI early this week, and I, don't, I forgot exactly what it was. But it was still – it wasn't great, but it was good. And so um, I think it will help. And so if they can truly win now – with the win last night in Austin, the, they only need to win two out of three instead of having a sweep, which is probably more doable to win two out of three. It could certainly happen. But um, uh, Jordan Campbell, big three-run homer. Melissa Mayu, game-winning two-run single. And even after they took a 6-4 to four lead in the eighth inning, they they didn't feel they they made an error on a pop up. It should have been two outs and no one on. But you got to give them credit, and I I I think it has to do with this team is young and doesn't have a bad attitude. So when they make mistakes, they just make mistakes because they're young and they're not consistent enough yet. Because even though they have talent, they're still young and not polished. You know, some teams. You, you know, you have that word choke. I don't think this team chokes. You know, I know that's a that's kind of a bad term and it's kind of a mean term for some people. But even if you buy, I don't think this team, when they make mistakes, they're choking. I just think they're young and not, not polished yet. And I think these girls, when they get experience, are going to stop making a lot of these mistakes. That's kind of what I think. And, and I think they're so young and enthusiastic, that they're not, you know, oh, well, we're going to blow this game. Like, I'm sure a lot of seasoned Cajun softball fans who have been frustrated by the ups and downs of this season, when they took a two-run lead to the bottom of the eighth last night, got the first batter out, the second batter hits a pop-up, and you misfield it, and then all of a sudden the next girl gets a double, your your one-run lead is now, I mean, your two-run lead is now one, and the tying run is at second with one out. You're like, oh, no, they're going to blow it again. And and I don't think this, this young team is thinking that. They're just going to the next. They're just not. They're too fired up to just be playing and all of that. They're just not into the negativity. And so I think that's the thing that probably Coach Glasgow and a lot of the old, the fans think. And I, I just don't think this team has that mentality. And they got the next two outs and won the game. So um, good win. How much it'll help long term, we'll see. But it certainly helps in the here and now momentum-wise and confidence-wise. And it certainly puts them in position that if they do win two or three games in San Marcos uh, in that series that starts tomorrow, then they have a chance to really make some hay on this season and turn this season around. And uh, One of the things that happened in this game that is just completely fascinating, again, there's so many things about sports that 
just are fascinating to me. And frustrating slash fascinating. One of the things, and you're going to hear me talk about this once baseball season starts. You know, Hannah's never really experienced me in baseball season yet. That's about to happen. It, it's about to get very different, by the way, around here once baseball season starts. But um, one of the things that infuriates me or, or I struggle with in baseball is a, is a closer that cannot pitch if he doesn't have a lead. And I, I use the term mental midget stuff. And, and I don't know if it's just a block. I, I, I don't understand it. Like, it's a batter and a pitcher. I have whatever my pit repertoire of pitches is. Why does it matter? The quality of my pitches, why is that, why is that impacted by whether the game is 4-2, to 3-2, two, to two, or 2-2? Two to two? I, I just, again, I'm not um, ever pitched. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, who are you to say that? I get that to a certain extent, but why? Why does it have to be that way? That frustrates me. Well, here we've got a similar type issue. Megan Shoreman, now in 32 innings of relief this year, has an ERA of 1.53. When she pitches in relief, she pitches great. When she starts the game, she doesn't pitch so great. It's just fascinating to me. Like, how can it be that different? Now, I guess that's more of a routine thing. That one kind of makes a little more sense than the closer who can't. I mean, because you're still pitching the ninth. It's just the score that's different. Some closers, if the if the, if you're if they're behind or. If it's not a safe situation, then they just can't pitch well. Well, I just think that's stupid. I, I just, come on, get get past that. I mean, it's going to happen every once in a while. I get it. But some guys, it happens almost all the time. It's unbelievable. But um, I, I don't know how, how you get past that. I, as a coaching staff, do you just yield yourself to it? Okay, we're just not going to start her anymore. She's just going to pitch in relief. And maybe that's what she does from here on out. But uh, she's done this before in previous games against like Alabama and LSU where she came in and she pitched great in relief and gave the Cajuns a chance to come back and win. They didn't come back in those games, but in last night's game, they did. They started Sam Landry, the true freshman. I really thought they were going to start Kandra, and I, th- I really thought they should have started Kandra. Now, I don't know all the factors that went into it. I understand that, but... um. It's, you know, it seems by judging by the last two or three weeks, they they really are trying to make Sam Landry the ace of this team. And maybe by the end of the year, she's going to be able to do that. I just wonder if it's too much to throw. And I know they think highly of her, and I know how highly accomplished she was when she, when, when they signed her. And they've been, you know, recruiting you know she's been was committed forever and I mean it's all signs point to her having a great college career I'm not saying that I disagree with that I'm just saying I wonder if right now she should be in that role um she gave up four runs in an inning and a third yes in two-thirds yesterday and then Shorman comes on pitches six and a third innings gives up one earned run five hits 
walks one and strikes out four against a really good lineup. Now, Texas doesn't have the best pitching staff in the country, and they don't always play the best defense in the country, but they have a really good offensive team, like really good. And so she um, she pitched outstanding. So it's it, it's a fascinating thing about sports. It's not just a softball or a baseball thing. There, there are things like that. I personally think there are more little peculiar things like that in the sports of baseball and softball than there are in the other sports. But uh, And I think it's one of the things that makes baseball so cool, but it can also make it very frustrating. So um, does this mean that Sam's going to still start game one and three? Maybe Kandra's going to start game one and three. We'll see how, how that goes in Texas Tech, at Texas State, but it's going to be a um, it's going to be interesting. But no, nice win, not like I thought it was going to be, but certainly uh, a, a very nice win for the Cajun softball team. All right, so we will take our first time out. When we come back, we'll look elsewhere. Baseball is opening a, a critical three game series over the weekend. Um. LSU baseball is playing Auburn, a team that played pretty well last week. Uh, And they are on fire offensively. And so um, we'll have that to look forward to this weekend. In the 10 o'clock hour, we'll give you another Kentucky Derby. uh, Road to the Kentucky Derby. We're now about a month away. Not, you know, really, it's about a month away now, the Kentucky Derby. And so we're getting even closer. Have a had a had, we'll review the Louisiana Derby and look forward to a huge weekend of Derby prep races with Mr. Tom in the uh, hour, just after ten fifteen, about an hour from now. So lots on the table on this Thursday. We'll come back after this timeout. Talk more to you about those things on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk about any of the things going on locally, regionally, or nationally in the world of sports, want to remind you today is the last day. If you would like to win, a family pack of four tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun Dome on Tuesday. Today's the last day to qualify. Simply text TROTTER, T-R-O-T-T-E-R, to 68683. Text TROTTER to 68683. That might that puts you in position to possibly win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, we'll remind you about it again one more time next hour. But again, today's the last day. So um, take advantage of that opportunity if that's something you are interested in. It's been a long time since I've seen the Harlem Globetrotters, but I've certainly seen them multiple times before and, and obviously grew up watching them 
on in their mini guest appearance on on Scooby Doo. That was way before Hannah's time. The Scooby Doo with the Harlem Globetrotters. That was great. Gotta love Curly Neal and Marcus Haynes. Awesome. All right. Again, the game hotline, 706-0111, Well, how about the symmetry of not totally the same, but very similar? Um, the Yucks thought they were having to look for a new quarterback. And then Brady comes back. Then their head coach decides to quit for whatever reason. They're, you know, the, the the theories are all over the place. I've heard Brady pushed him out because he doesn't like him. I've heard Brady, um, uh, he's a little too loosey-goosey. And as much as Brady resented and didn't really like Belichick, he did kind of like that the strict style or disciplined style of coaching and not really all that comfortable with the Lucy Goosey and Todd Bowles is more of a of a strict kind of Belichick type guy, and so he's going to feel more comfortable with that. But but either whatever you believe on all that. Um, and then they promote the defensive coordinator to be the head coach. Well, in New Orleans, thought maybe we're going to get have to look for a new quarterback. Tried. To get Deshaun Watson, it didn't transpire. And so a little bit less of a surprise, but Jameis, you end up with the same starting quarterback that you had last year until Tampa horse-collared him and, and, and ended his season with a knee injury. And then they promote the defensive coordinator to be the head coach, so. A little bit on the similar side there. We'll see how, um, with, you know, obviously the Saints have some more work to do, certainly at safety from uh, in, the, in the coming weeks between now leading up until the NFL draft. So what you think of all that, I don't know. I, again, I think Bruce Arians is a complicated figure. He really is. I think he... Um, in some ways, he has a little genius in him, but I but I also think he can be um, a little too I don't know. I guess reckless is the word. I I don't know. I I, I just I I worry as a Saints fan that this is actually going to help the Bucks, but we'll see. That'll have to get that'll have to to play itself out. But we'll um. Certainly interesting, no question. Now, does this mean that I've also heard the speculation and, and and it's not if it transpires, not a good thing for Saints fans for sure, that there are a couple defensive guys that are uh, you know, trying to decide what they're gonna do long term with their next deals and, and if they really like Todd Bowles, then um, you know, this might increase their chances of staying. Again, like like all those other issues, we'll kind of kind of let that play out. You know what's a week from today, however? A week from today is opening day of Major League Baseball. A week from today is opening day. And 
in in some ways, it sounds crazy, kind of snuck up on us. You know, it's been so busy with so much other stuff, so much NFL news and college baseball and college softball. And some of us are still dealing with spring football. Um, and so in some ways, it's kind of snuck up. And But a week from today is the is the opening of the Major League Baseball season. And the way it works for the Astros is they're going to open with a long West Coast road trip because they were supposed to play the first two series at home on the original schedule, but that got, you know, dispersed for the end of the season and then sprinkled out through the season. So, like everybody else's schedule did. So, the way it's worked out is they're going to play like a week and a half, two weeks, week and a half on the road, and man, that's going to be a disappointing home opener, like two weeks into the season. That's awful. Awful for a home opener. But um, it can work in your advantage. Uh, it's good and bad. Like, they open with the with the Angels. The only problem with playing the Angels early is that, that their injuries haven't set in yet. Usually, if you play the Angels heavy in the second half of the season, they're all hurt by that time. And so, you know, they it makes it a little easier to beat them. Um, coming off of the season that Otani had and, you know, some of their players, like Walt, the Astros could not get Jared Walsh out last year. That dude was unbelievable. Could not get him out. So, you know, maybe they won't be real hot early. Maybe it'll take them a while. You never know who's going to get off to a slow start. My point is, sometimes if you play a road game, coming out of spring training early in the season, it may not be as much of an advantage playing a a, a long West Coast trip to start the season. You may be more, you know, you're fresher, more rejuvenated. The home team is maybe not in a groove as opposed to playing one of these, you know, week and a half West Coast trips in the middle of July or August when you're tired and, and the road trip really wears on you a little more. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. We'll we'll see how that plays out. As far as the actual Astros, you know, I'm not a big spring training guy. I've told you all that many times, but man, I ha- it, it's worked out where – I have seen two of Justin Verlander's three starts, and he hasn't given up a run yet. He looks like Justin Verlander. Like, what? Again, I, I most of the last season, I, I was, I was like, this guy's not even going to be on the team next year. Like, people kept asking me, well, what's, what's the deal with Verlander? I'm like, man, he's not going to play for the Astros again. The guy, the guy's what? almost 40, and coming off Tommy John, no one's ever done this. Um, And yet, again, it's spring training, and I put zero stock in spring training, and yet from a physical standpoint, he looks exactly like Justin Verlander has always looked, and he hasn't given up a run yet in three outings. <clears throat> I mean... The first hit he gave up in the second game I saw was a bloop single down the line by Nelson Cruz that the outfielder just botched. 
Um, and so he's got velocity. He seems to have control. I mean, I, is he really going to do this? Now, I said all along that if anybody's going to pull something like this off, Verlander's got a little Nolan Ryan, Ro- Roger Clemens, you know, that determination and that that disciplined work ethic to overcome odds and that I'm going to prove you wrong kind of attitude. And so, again, I don't – but still, I didn't think – I, I, I didn't think this was going to be an option, that he was going to be able to go out and play like the ace of the Astros again. And, again, it's just three starts in spring training, so I'm not saying it's a done deal. I'm saying it. he looks good so far. He looks like Justin Verlander. A little bit on the scary side there. <clears throat> as far as the rest of the Astros, you know, again, I, I've said my opinion many times on Lance McCullers. He's very frustrating to me. You love him because the Astros picked him and he's worked out. Anytime you draft a guy high and they work out, you appreciate that. He's a loyal Astro. He could have left. He didn't. He seems to love it. Houston, he seems to love the Astros. They sign him to this big contract, and he and he's a great guy. He seems to care. He's passionate. There's so many things to like him, but he's always hurt. And he and he made it through the entire last season. Then he gets hurt in the ALDS, and now who knows when he's going to pitch? The good that's the bad news. The good news is if Verlander is really Verlander again this year, the star rotation should be fine. I mean, they still have Framber Valdez, who's going to pitch opening day. And then they got Luis Garcia, who's really come on the last year and a half. And they got Jake Odorizzi, who's not great, but he's but he's serviceable. He's a serviceable number four or five starter. And then they got Jose Arquiti, who I really like and who throws strikes in it and has had injuries. He's never really been able to throw that many pitches. I'm really hoping that Garcia and Arquiti can elevate their pitch count this year without getting injured. I think that's going to be a big part of this Astros season. They're, they've been kind of treating them with kid gloves, and so, you know, are they going to have to have all these pitch ro- you know, pitch count or inning kind of a ceiling on them? Not that they would just pull them, but that they would, you know, they don't want them to pitch, you know, 200 innings or something. I, I don't – it'd be nice if they could do that, become that, – that, that part of their career is over. Now they're ready to be more workhorse-type guys. Uh, we'll see if if that transpires, and kind of like the bullpen. Now the news is re- the most recent news is that uh, Josh James, who I nicknamed Ball Four, Ball Four has been optioned down. He's been so injured, but he but he throws so hard, and if he could ever harness it, it'd be nice. But uh, he got sent down. I think one of the most interesting guys to kind of follow this year is Rafael Montero. They got him in that trade last year with Seattle, and he was kind of a throwaway. He's pitched for the Rangers or some other teams in his career. He actually, before he got hurt, he actually pitched really well. I was impressed with him. Uh, Phil <clears throat> Maton had, was fabulous. Fabulous in the postseason. So look forward to him. They picked up Hector Neris. I, You know, the Phillies have been a mess in the bullpen for a long time. And I've had him in fantasy before. He's very frustrating. He'll go on some nice runs, but then he can he knows how to get lit too. So I don't know how that's going to play out with Neris. But hopefully Javier can be a little more consistent. 
and then you know they have Stanek again and um, and Presley is the closer. So I think their bullpen is okay. Actually, I think the Astros pitching is pretty good shape, and if they can get McCullers back for the second half of the season, or maybe even a little bit before that. I, I th- if they don't get any more big injuries, I think the bullpen is fine. Uh, the The whole first month of the season is going to be about this rookie shortstop, Jeremy Pena, who I finally got to watch play. He looks smooth. I mean, he looks smooth. That don't mean he's going to hit in the major leagues. What did Alex Bregman start out, one for 30 or whatever it was? So you just never know how a rookie's going to respond at the major leagues. But he looks like temper. You know, he can handle it from a temperament standpoint. So... We'll be talking more baseball, but again, just to remind you, a week from today is opening day. Unbelievable. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more on footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 104 on Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnolds. Benedict Arnolds. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. One of my new favorite new ones for sure. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. We have the Final Four this weekend, so any thoughts on that? I, I have asked, and Danny said he could do it. He called earlier, but... Uh, you know, Danny, you know, loves basketball, obviously, and is, seems to be really, really into this year's tournament. He's a little on the nauseating side because he's a Duke fan, but that's okay. See, that shows you, um, Rockefeller, that I don't have that hate that I keep that he keeps accusing me of having in in that in that arena and in other areas I haven't. But, um, I you know I'm asking. Uh, a friend who's a Duke fan to come on Friday. So tomorrow, uh, the plan is Danny Broussard will will be on, and we will um, get his thoughts on the Final Four matchups. And Danny already said he plans on being there, so should be lots of fun um, for all the big basketball fans. Again, it seems like there's going to be one game that's going to everyone's going to be interested in, and the other game everyone kind of expects to be double digits, or at least a lot of people do. So maybe Villanova can surprise him. I think it'd be a great matchup if Villanova, you know, didn't lose one of their best players, and and the and doesn't you know we've seen teams lose a great player and rally around for for one or two games, and all they need to do is for one or two games here. So <coughs> maybe they'll surprise us. I did not predict it because I've been burned by Kansas way too often. Uh, and so I've kind of kind of went in. So I'm not picking Kansas no more. I, in, until Kansas proves that they need me to pick them, then I'm not going to pick them. But you could argue that Kansas 
is playing at a higher level than any of these four teams right now. And we'll ask Danny those questions tomorrow. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. Let's go to there and talk to Joey. Hello. Hey, Kev, good morning, bro. It looks like the Saints are are getting a little more serious about Matthews. Why you say that? They just, it's supposedly they're putting a little press to him. Even the, uh, I mean, even the players are trying to recruit him right now. So, well, I know that, but yeah, but that, but, but, but that hasn't, that doesn't mean the front office is. Yeah, but I had actually, and it's not nothing in print, but I had, uh, seen a blog where they said that Saints have actually been in contact with his agent. Now, what that means, at least they're they're sniffing. Where before, I didn't even think they were sniffing. I thought he was priced too high. But I think Malcolm actually re- retiring kind of forces your hand a little more. So, and they got the money now. They've made the cap space in what they were doing, trying to get uh, – that may be the blessing in disguise is by going after the quarterback from Houston, you opened up room for – you know, potential other areas. And, and I still say what we're getting for Winston's on the cheap. You can you can get a really good player. But, man, I can imagine C.D. Deuce and Tyron Matthew in the same backfield. That could be pretty that could be pretty entertaining, dude, because those guys would be interchangeable, basically. So, well, um, anyway, I know I mean, yeah. C.D. Deuce, that's the one that I was saying. Some of these guys, they cleared. They just basically told Marcus Williams, we're going to have to pay C.D. next year. So, that's, I think that's why they didn't do the uh, the, the long term deal with him because <clears throat> I think they they like the versatility of CD a little better. I uh, still get amazed at how well Marcus Williams graded out because it always seemed like he was a step behind people, and and then you'd read the PFF grade, and you know he's one of the top five safeties, and I'm like, man, I guess when you watch him every week, he was asked to do so much. It's just how many plays was he a step behind the play? Um, so he, he had we'll some anyway, really strange ones. When yeah. I actually saw, I think Tyron would be a great fit in the defense that Dennis Allen runs. Look, so I, I, it would be tremendous, first. but I, uh, I don't put much into players recruiting you on. I mean, Cam Jordan was recruiting Aaron Rodgers on Twitter. I mean, I would, that didn't mean anything. Oh, I know. But look, the good news is when CD tweeted it, Tyron Matthews actually sent back a fingers crossed with a praying hands. So that means he wants to be here, which when you're a free agent, that's one of the first steps is the guy's got to want where he's going. So uh, I know money talks, but the fact that it looks like Tyron wants to come home to, to Louisiana and play with the Saints is a good step too. So anyway, it's it's something to talk about. I mean, look, I, I hope, that. again, I hope, uh, uh, we talked yesterday, Landon Collins, another Louisiana native. Um, yeah, I heard you talk about that after we hung up, and I was thinking that'd be a good fit, you know. It's, uh, and, again, we still got Mays, uh, the, the kid from the Jets. I'm just hoping he's healthy. Marcus May would be a – I mean, and we got him at a third of the price. So, if he's healthy, I, that's a pretty good ball player. So, our cornerback situation's in real good shape. You get three good safeties, and our secondary suddenly is, uh, again, it, it could be the strength of the unit, that and our D's. I, I just all the way around, I wouldn't be shocked. if I'm curious to see if they're happy with, their, with the young linebackers they got or if they end up trying to get another one in the draft. Because the kid from Utah will be there at 18, and uh, I'm leery of first-round draft pick 
linebackers with the Saints. Well, they can't. They can't pick a linebacker in the first round. That's a ball player. I don't know. You, you, if you stay true to your board, that's he cannot, should be one of pick the a top linebacker players right when we pick. And ours are getting old, so cannot. anyway, we'll see. Look, the other thing is, real quick, how in the heck was Rockefeller not the Sun Belt Player of the Week? I mean, I saw Bonds was the Pitcher of the Week. But whoever won Player of the Week for the Sun Belt, he had to have a off the chart weekend to, to top. Well, I think I think Carson was zero for five Friday night. So I'm pretty thought, sure again, he, he was zero for five. He had all RBI on Saturday, and he hit, uh, he had hit another. He hit two home runs. In one game, hit another one in the other game. Uh, to oh, no, he, to, he, I, I just, no, he's I, really good, they, but I'm pretty sure he was 0 for 5 on Friday in, in Joey. I'm, uh, they got many more worries than worry about who's player of the week. No, I know, but, I mean, sometimes you just like good players to be recognized. That cat's a stud, dude. It's, it's, I'll argue he's our best player right oh, no, now. He's good. But, um, he's having a great year. Sunday when he hit the home run, I leaned over to my wife and said, I guess he just locked up player of the week because he did two the night before. I didn't see the Friday night game, so yeah. I didn't realize who were. All right, but anyway, right. Matthews, boy, that's that's something to get excited about if uh, it happen. I think that If it happens, yes. I'm not going to get excited right. about it until it happens. Right. right. And I love this time of year, brother, because yep. we're all Super Bowl contenders in April. Well, not with all the negative people I'm around. But anyway, I get your point. Thanks, <laughs> thank, thank, th- th- thanks for the call. God bless, bro. I, take care. I got so many negative Saints fans, friends around. It's unbelievable. It's like they're. It's like the Saints are like you know, the Lions or the Knicks or the um, you know the Baltimore Orioles. It's like they never make good decisions. They've earned no trust. I mean, it's unbelievable to me how that is but no again i i think most of us the first thought when they heard about malcolm jenkins retiring was okay well let's do this tyron matthew thing we've been talking about i get it i like the fact that tyron wants to come here and i hope he fits perfectly and i hope they sign him if they can fit him in but you know money and it doesn't always work. I mean, I, I don't think Taron Arm I think Taron Armstead loves the Saints, and I think they love him. But the money didn't work for whatever reason, and so he's not here. And so you just we just wait and see. The good thing is I think there are three or four legitimate options that could work. Um potentially. And so hopefully, as long as they get one of them, and I would like for them to re-sign P.J. Williams as well, uh, I'll be fine with how that works out. But, um, no, I'm, I'm, again, I'm like everybody. It's like when you see these these social media interactions and it, and it seems like it would be favorable – it's not that it doesn't make my eyes don't perk up, but you just, again, they said the Astros were the odds-on favorite to, to land Deshaun Watson, and he went to Cleveland. So let's um, let's do – I'm, I'm a little bit more of the bird in hand kind of thing here. Let's wait until, let's wait until it happens first. But, no, I'm, I, I, I'm confident 
that they're going to sign one of these safeties because they just always seem to get it done in that area. Doesn't mean it's going to work out, but in terms of addressing things, even though there's all this negativity everywhere and all, suddenly the Saints are the Detroit Lions in, in the front office, according to all the people I keep hearing, um, um, you know, I, they normally get it done. So I trust that they're going to do and hopefully – it works out. All right, let's take another timeout. We'll finish out the first hour next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really to his core that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Sports Sports Station. Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote, want to remind you, the Hangout Music Fest, running out of time. Not as short time as the Globetrotters contest, but running out of time. If you would like to win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival, located uh, in Gulf Shores, Alabama, May 20th through 22nd, all you need to do is go to the website, join the Game Rewards Club, and you might win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Also, want to remind you, SEC play actually, including LSU, actually begins tonight. Normally, you know, for most conferences – you know, maybe around Easter or the and and then on the last weekend going into the conference tournament, they'll do one of these Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But for isolated teams here and there in the SEC because of TV, they'll they'll start on a Thursday, and that starts tonight with LSU and Auburn, and you can hear all that action. Six o'clock first pitch right here on uh, on the game one hundred three seven Lafayette one hundred four one Lake Charles. Uh, the interesting matchup, you know, A&M came to LSU earlier and beat them two out of three. Auburn went to College Station last week and beat A&M two out of three. They have almost the identical records. LSU is uh, 18 and seven. Auburn is 17 and eight. And they're both three and three in conference play. So um, very looks very even on paper. And uh, this is a big series for Auburn, I think, because their next three games against Vanderbilt. And so we'll see if LSU can keep up the the really hot hitting right now. Uh, And so we'll see how they do against Auburn. But, you know, if they win this series, especially if they sweep, then that'd be a nice rebound from what was looking like a really shaky start to conference play for LSU. And they would deserve a lot of credit if they win this series We'll see how that plays. Speaking of Vanderbilt, um, if you haven't noticed, Tennessee is off to an incredible start. Tennessee is 24-1. and 
24 and 1 um and uh, and 6 and 0 oh in conference play and they play Vanderbilt starting tomorrow so um kind of like two top two teams and depending on what poll you're looking at in the top 3 or 4 or 5 um incredible matchup for this early in the season. I guess you never really know where this, you know, when the when the matchups are going to be, but no, big time matchup. So a huge weekend, all weekend series are big, but it's from a national standpoint, this one's really big. Tennessee versus Vanderbilt. So they're probably going to have lots of fun in that state with that matchup um this weekend starting tomorrow. All right, that's it for the first hour, another hour to follow footnotes on this Thursday one week before MLB opening day. We'll be back on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can also watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Uh, we started the hour, the first hour, talking about Cajun softball. Big win over Texas last night. So if you have any comments on that, going into a huge conference weekend. Baseball for the Cajuns. We uh, will speak with Craig Melanson tomorrow, going into a big conference weekend against Georgia Southern. And then, like I, like I said yesterday, I'm kind of looking at these next five games. Three games at home against Georgia Southern, one of the best teams in the Sun Belt. Then two games at Tech, another really good team. If the Cages can go three and two or even two and three, I think they'll have a chance the rest of the way to make some hay if they can get clutch hits and pitch and all that, obviously. But nothing's guaranteed. But at least the schedule lightens up a little bit, and we'll see if they can take advantage of that. But um, so a big series this weekend for baseball uh, for the Cajuns. Certainly feel free to talk about that. NFL, uh, speaking of college baseball, we just talked a little bit about the LSU and Auburn and, and some really big series in the SEC. Um, got Florida and Georgia also playing tonight. So it's not just LSU, Auburn, two SEC series start tonight doing the Thursday through Saturday thing, which – I guess it's cool because you have Sunday off, but I don't know. It's just a little weird. Um, but, no, it's uh, still still learning this LSU team. But, again, right now, they from the very beginning, all the thoughts were LSU could really hit the baseball, and they could really hit the baseball. And they lately they've been really, really, really hitting the ball. And we'll see if um, how all of that plays out this weekend against Auburn. So certainly feel free to call about any of the college sports as well as what's going on in the NFL. If you haven't heard, the Bruce Arians is no longer the coach of the Yucks, and, and they promoted defensive coordinator <coughs> kind of Todd Bowles, very similar to what the Saints did. Coach Lee's a little bit by surprise for some. And then the defensive coordinator 
gets promoted. So we'll see how that plays out for both. And then obviously Saints still have plenty of moves to make, especially on the defensive side now at safety, losing both of their starting safeties from a year ago. Already theoretically replaced one with Marcus May, better known on this show as No You May Not. And um and and they still have to Joey's point C D dues. So We'll see how they need. I would like for them to bring back P.J. Williams if they can figure out a contract situation to place to be a reserve safety. And hopefully they can, you know, whether it's Tyron Matthew or Landon Collins or McLeod or Tord or whatever, bring in a, a veteran safety to kind of solidify things in the back. So have all of those things. Certainly feel free to call. We talked a little bit about Major League Baseball, which we haven't talked hardly none of. You know, even we talked a little bit about the lockout when that happened, but we really haven't talked much Major League Baseball at all. We'll talk more about that next week. But again, a week from today is opening day, so it's getting it's getting close. And we um, once baseball season starts, it's a whole new thing. I mean, you know, it's almost every day. And um, so, and and the emotions are up and down and, you know, and there's so many, if you're a baseball fan, there's so many things to discuss with the ups and downs of the game and so, in the ins and outs. So, it's a whole different deal once baseball season starts. And remember a couple months ago, we were talking a lot about Hannah adopting the Seattle Mariners. Man, I tell you what, the Seattle Mariners, they got, it. they're an, I know they're in Asia, and so not a lot of people talk about them. But and and even though they're in my division, the fact that the, the Astros have owned the Mariners for a long time makes it okay, makes it a little easier to to talk about them. But they are they are one of the more fascinating teams on paper right now in all of the major leagues. Like because because they, they got they made some trades, got some veterans that are good. And they also are loaded with young talent, like on paper, loaded with young talent. And so we'll see how many of those arms and bats and legs will kind of hit the ground running. Kellenick, the center fielder last year, he was not very impressive to me. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to be good. Just means... My first go around with him, he got himself out a lot, a lot. Now maybe he'll, you know, because let's be fair, Icky, his first two go arounds in the major leagues looked terrible. I mean, terrible. Like I had almost, I had basically given up on Icky, and that cat was incredible last year. And now, you know, you got people saying he's like a top three round fantasy guy. Icky. <laughs> he looked terrible. So maybe Kellogg's going to do like Icky, where his, you know, his first two kind of ventures into the major leagues, he looks terrible and then he figures it out. That is possible. If you're an Astro fan, got to hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Kyle Lewis runs rookie of the year and he didn't play at all last year and now he's hurt again. If he ever gets back on track, and then they got this cat, Julio Rodriguez. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. And they claim this guy is going to be like King Griffey Jr. 
not quite that good. Well, it depends which King Griffey Jr. you're talking about. But it's kind of um, the, the Mariners are going to be an interesting team. The Rangers, I'm worried about the Rangers. I've told you all that. And I hope what happens to the Rangers is exactly what happens to the Ornals, which is nothing. And I was wrong about the Ornals. And I hope I'm wrong about the Rangers. But, man, they are spending money like crazy. Their lineup's pretty good. And I'm worried John Gray's going to have a good season coming over from Colorado. Um, with all that run support, he's probably going to get in Texas. And the Angels, theoretically, have maybe the semblance of a pitching staff. So the Astros division could be a lot tougher this year than it's been in a while. Really could. So we'll see how. And then the A's, who have been their biggest competition, looks like they're just tanking it. Kind of a weird, kind of a weird um, deal there. But I also wanted to talk, so any of those things are certainly on the table, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about the NBA. Pelicans won last night. They beat the Blazers by 10 on the road to kind of open up a critical um, Flake Coast trip. C.J. McCollum scored 25. They are now in the and the Spurs lost to the Grizzlies. They should have won. Guy missed a layup at the buzzer. But um, so with six games left, they're one and a half up on the Spurs, I mean on the Lakers, and two up on the Spurs. They're four behind, and then and they they hold that's for the nine seed. They're four behind the eight seed, the Clippers, and you say, well, that's impossible. Well, it's pretty close, but a couple games from now, they actually play the Clippers on this Flick Coast trip. And before that game, the Clippers play at the Bulls and at the Bucks. The Lakers' next game is at the Lake. I mean, the um, Pelicans' next game is at the Lakers. Um, so if the Clippers lose to the Bull in Chicago and in Milwaukee, which is very possible, and then their next game and the Pelicans can beat the Lakers, hmm, then you, you know, I don't know that they'll go beat the Clippers, but if they do, remember, they own the tiebreaker over the Clippers because they beat them twice already. And if they would beat them again, hmm, you never know. And they still have to play the Suns. Now, again, I talked about this about two weeks or so ago. What's probably going to determine who gets these 8, 9, 10 seeds is how the team, the good teams that they play in their last three or four games are positioned and do they have anything to play for. Like the Suns likely won't have anything to play for. Uh, and so that could hurt the Pels, but, but the Pels have the Warriors who may or may not. I mean, we'll see how three or four games from now they have anything to play for. So that that makes a big difference because the Lakers play a really tough schedule, but if those teams don't have anything to play for at all, then maybe that schedule's not as tough as it looks on paper. So that's just something to, to keep an eye on. 
And remember the way this works. Seven plays eight, uh, eight nine plays ten, and then uh, whoever wins seven and eight is in, and then the winner of nine and ten plays eight, and, you know, it's this kind of gimmicky, but I guess it kind of works play-in tournament that the NBA does. So we'll see where the Pelicans fall and all that. But point is, not a big Pelicans fan, but I do want them to do well. <coughs> um, and... I know there are some big Pelican fans in this area, obviously. So still, you know, there's a lot to chew on there still as a Pelican fan. And I, I wouldn't totally – now, look, if, if if the Clippers win any of their next three games, it's over in terms of who's going to be the eight and the nine, which is not a huge difference, obviously. But just in terms for discussion's sake, if they lose their next th- two games and the Pels beat the Lakers, then that Clippers game becomes pretty interesting. They could start to choke a little bit, perhaps. So that's just something to keep keep an eye on. All right, let's do this. We'll um, take a timeout. When we come back, we'll be talking with our weekly visit during Kentucky Derby season with Mr. Tom. Again, got lots to go over. Looking back on the Louisiana Derby, which seeming like was chalk, but we'll get um, Mr. Tom's expert opinion on that as well as looking forward to a big weekend uh, with some Derby prep races and see what he has to say. Again, we're only a month away, so it's getting closer. And, um, you know, a lot of people bet on the Derby, whether they're you know, whether the gambling's legal now or even before gambling was legal in all these states like Louisiana is now. But but it's um, betting on the Kentucky Derby is just kind of fun for, for a lot of people, whether it's a gambling error or not. And so one decided why not have you, when you make your bet, be a little more educated maybe on what's going on in all of these races. And we'll continue that with Mr. Tom. After this timeout, we'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 31st, 1996. In the first time in Major League Baseball history, the regular season opens in the month of March as the Seattle Mariners beat the Chicago White Sox 3-2 in 12 innings at the Kingdome in Seattle. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes kevin foot on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station one again this is the last day if you would like to win tickets to a family pack of four tickets to go see the harlem globetrotters tuesday in the cajun dome you need to text trotter to 68683 text trotter to 68683 and you might win family pack pack of four tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters in the Cajun Dome Tuesday, April the 5th. All right, we have with us Mr. Tom. Mr. Tom, have you ever seen the Harlem Globetrotters in person? 
<laughs> many, many years ago, I did. And and it's always a show, let me tell you. Uh, absolutely, it is. I did, too. And I've done multiple times. Probably did it at Black Command Occasion, though, over oh, the yeah. years. I, you know, so... All right, the Louisiana Derby. You tell me. It seems like it was. It went exactly as everyone thought. Or were there more curveballs in it than than a novice like me noticed? Uh, uh-uh. uh. There was no curves. That was a straight ninety-five mile an hour fastball, a two-seamer. Um, let me put it to you this way: Epicenter proved that he's going to be right there in the Derby on Saturday. That's the guy. Epicenter broke, and he wanted to go to the front, the six horse. He was he was straining at the, but the jockey pulled him back, took him on the rail, ran him from off the pace, and then when they turned for home, he got to outside. He slid to about the six hole, changed his lead, and powered home in one fifty four and change, which is the exact distance of the Pimlico, one mile and three sixteenths. Powered home in 154.36. That's only been done twice in the building. So how good is this horse? He's right up there with the best this year. Now, what about the horse who finished second? Is it Zozo's, or how does it pronounce? Yeah, Zozo's. Uh, Bob, uh, Brad Cox's horse. I don't know. I don't think I don't think anybody but Epicenter out of Louisiana Derby, um, unless they go to another Derby and prove themselves, I don't think any of these other horses can can be in the Derby or can run in the Derby. No, personally, I don't think so. All right, so l- l- let me ask you this because we kind of sure. we kind of talked about this. You know, there were there was there were a couple other races like the Sunland Derby. Is that really a Kentucky Derby prep race or yeah, not? It is, and 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 it was run real well. The horse slow down, uh, slow hand and Andy is a California horse. Mention, I, I use the word California horse. you got to pay attention. Those are the horses that are winning lately. Um, but he goes to the to the Sunland Derby. And they ran a real fast front end. Uh, and he came on and won the race. He was considered the favorite, I think, pretty much. Um, yes, it's a legitimate because that bird came out of there. And, and he won the Derby, but then he won the Derby on the craziest day I've ever seen. But that... It, uh, yes, uh, he, he has a, a legitimate chance, but he's no comparison to Epicenter. If that's what you need, if that's what you need to know, different oh, area. Right, but he, he deserves to be in the dirt. Now, what about the the international race? Oh, that was great. The UAE Derby, on which uh, the uh, World Cup was won by a horse called Country Grandma that Baffert has. And he ran a great race. That was just a great race to do. The UAE, the uh, the World Cup, but the Derby. This horse, Crown Prince, who's a Japanese horse, and let me tell you, they won four races on Medyan on on World Derby Day. The Japanese are coming. Let me put it to you that way. This is not Pearl Harbor. This is a different story. The Japanese have a breeding system that is fantastic. Fantastic over the world. So if they want to send Crown Prince, people need to pay attention. That's all I have to say. All right. He didn't run a great fast race in in, in Medellin, but it's 110 degrees there. Uh, he'll do a lot better if he comes to the United States. Crown Prince, yeah. 
All right. So it, it, is that a, a, a recent thing in Japan, or is it just something oh, that it, they've done for a while that it, we just haven't been it, familiar it, with? They have a breeding, a breeding system now in place for about 40 years, almost 40 years. And at first they had our horses. I think Sunday Silence was there and other horses that were really good. But now they have their own homebreds. Deep Impact is one that I could recover, recall. But they win everywhere, Kevin. They win in Hong Kong. They win in Australia. They win in Europe. They win in Medellin. They've won here. They won two Breeders' Cup races in Del Mar this last year. So the Japanese have a, a very good breeding system. And you could expect to see one of them win the Derby one day if they continue this. If they continue this. So one of them wins the Derby one of them day. So... So again, I'm trying for those of people who know or experts or very into it like you. You know all this stuff. So is Crown Prince a lock or no? What, 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 no, no, no. He, he the child, his trainer had three or four winners that day. I mean, in, in, un, unbelievable, unbelievable last Saturday. But he said that, that the owner said that he he definitely wants to come to the Derby. Okay, he's got the points; they can come. That's it. Uh, so I think I expect to see Crown Prince in the in the lineup. Yeah. All right. So am I wrong, or is this a, another huge weekend for Derby preps? Oh, it's absolutely gigantic. Uh, it won't be as good as next week because you'll see the Santa Anita Derby in the wood and uh, bluegrass. I think will be a little better. But this this Arkansas Derby is a like. I mean, this is like. In all star review, you know, it's like uh, SmackDown. It's they've got five or six horses in here that could win this race, and I mean it sincerely. So way better. Is it more interesting? Well, yeah. Is it more interesting? Interesting. Yeah. Because Brian Lynch has chosen to bring back Classic Causeway and run him in the Florida Derby because he's running so well in his training. You know, he doesn't want to put him in the barn. He wants to run him. So he's going to run him against simplification. But after those two horses in the Florida Derby, take your pick. You know, Papa Cap, maybe a few others. Uh, Pletcher's got a horse. But the Derby to look at is the Arkansas Derby. That's the one that really puts the, the stars on the show. All right. So, who, who, like, give me a flavor of the uh, two or three that you think have the best chance of winning, and which one do you uh, like? Uh, uh, well, let me put it to you this way. D. Wayne Lucas, who's one of the winningest derby trainers of all time, has got a, a filly named Secret Oath, three-year-old filly. And, I mean, she is lightning in a bottle. She can go. Uh, her last race, she ran at Oakland. Her last race she ran, she won away. She won by seven and a half lengths over the girl in the, in the, honey, in the honey bee. But... Immediately, he pointed her to the Arkansas Derby. She's that fast. If she gets out there, you know, and, and gets close to the pace, she can do it. But that, she's not the only one. The bottom horse called We the People. He's two for two. This is a, a Rudolph Brisset. That's a trainer who takes horses that other horses, other trainers find difficult to train. He takes them. So if this horse is difficult and he's got the kind of speed he's got, he can win. Now, those two horses haven't done anything yet, but they're the talk of the Derby. You've got, uh, you've got also Barber Road that I've been looking at. You've got a horse called Doppelganger coming from California, and I'll talk about him in a minute. 
You've got Un, Uno Ojo, one eye, the horse that won the Southwest last week. Um, he won two weeks ago. You've got Cyberknife for Brad Cox horse. He had that Zozo's in the Louisiana Derby. He's got this one, Cyberknife, a much better horse here in the Arkansas Derby. So I've named just about every horse in the race. They all can win this thing. Okay, this so why 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 does it work oh. out that way? Like, why do you have one derby prep race <laughs> where you have all these supposed contenders, and then others where there's only where it's like blowout city? How does well, that work? It, it just happened. It, it happened that way, Kevin. I mean, trainers in Arkansas happen to have better three year old horses. That's you know that's just the way it is. Uh, down south in in um, Florida and Gulfstream, the crop is not as what a, let's put it to the there's not as many right there have been classic causeway and simplification and a few other horses but that's I, I don't think that's anything special it just happened that way and then you got louisiana downs who rarely ever sends a derby winner i think they've got the horses right there at epicenter that race was it was fantastic i can't tell you how good it was but but anyway arkansas has the best one because Secret Oath and We the People chose to work to, to train at Oak Lawn. That's all. That's the way it worked out. All right. So which one do you like the most? I'm going to talk about Doppelganger. Doppelganger is a Bob Baffert horse. Now, he turned over his two best horses, Messier and Doppelganger, to a trainer called Tim Yakteen, who's been a trainer in California for years. He's a really good guy, and he'll handle these horses real well. So he puts Doppelganger in the Arkansas Derby. And I just told you about those two horses, and I just told you about Barbara Road, who I've been looking at for a long time, and Uno Ojo, who won the Southwest two weeks ago. Now I'm telling you about a horse called Doppelganger, who's better than all of them. <laughs> I mean, he, he has run in a race with a horse called Forbidden Kingdom. Remember that name, Forbidden Kingdom. If he chooses to go to the Derby, he may well be the favorite. And he's in California with Messier. And this doppelganger comes into Arkansas, and he just looks better than everybody, figure-wise. Now, who, who are they suggesting that doppelganger reminds him of? With well, the name? doppelganger reminds me a little bit Gosh, it's hard to say. He, he he's just one of those horses that is unfortunate to be behind other horses in California who are better than him. But he's better than other horses East Coast. Does that make sense? Right. That that's that's what I mean. In other words, it's like having in football having all your best teams in one division. Right. You know. So so anyway. Um, Doppelganger comes to Arkansas, and he's running against what I call a Class A field. Um, I've already named the horses, and I didn't even name some of them that probably won't run at all in there. But if he runs, if he comes, and he's going to have Johnny Velasquez riding, bringing him in from California. Listen, Johnny, Johnny Velasquez wants to go to the Derby. This is a very nice horse out of End of Mischief. Uh, I, I just like last week, I said if Epicenter was going to get beat, he'd get beat by somebody called Call Me Midnight. Well, Call Me Midnight had no chance in that race. 
with Epicenter kicking it in and at the top of the stretch. So I want to get the point is that I like Barbara Road, but I don't think he can beat Doppelganger. And I don't believe those secret oaths and with we the people can beat Doppelganger. I just think Doppelganger's coming from the West Coast. We'll see. Okay, maybe totally wrong. Well, it'll it'll, it'll make it it'll make it interesting. So, one more question before I let you go: yeah. Forbidden Kingdom riding into Santa Anita? Uh, he should be. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the entry yet. It's next week, but he should run into Santa Anita alongside Messier. I don't know what would happen. Either one of them needs the points. Messier needs the points. Okay, he's got to run, or he won't be in the Derby. So we'll see what happens there. But those two horses, there. Yeah. All Those right. Those had doppelganger. They're great. Epicenter, you put epicenter in there. Those four horses right now, head and shoulders above the rest. All right. Well, we'll have some interesting races to review oh, yeah. next week and preview next week. So we appreciate your time oh, yeah. as always, sir. Have fun this weekend. Take care. Thanks again, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right. Mr. Tom, getting it straight. You can tell the man gets excited. Like how I get excited about the Saints and Astros, he gets excited about horse racing. Uh, he, he, he's going to be giddy five minutes before uh, that Arkansas Derby. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back with more on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Want to tell you about the Acadiana Pole Boy Festival. Returns this Saturday to Park San Susi in downtown Lafayette. There'll be over 25 vendors selling some of the best pole boys Acadiana ha- around in Acadiana. Great eats, pole boy eating contests, uh, a lot of beverages, obviously, unique arts and crafts, activities for the kids, and live entertainment featuring Keith Frank, my boy Gerald Grunig. Gentilly, Zydeco, and more. For more information about the Acadiana Pole Boy Festival, go to AcadianaPoleBoyFestival.com. I didn't know when I first met Gerald that he was, you know, learned to play the accordion, became this big Zydeco cat, but I, I did learn it. We talked about that quite a bit uh, last year, last time we kind of did one of uh, 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 a spot early on on his show every once in a while, right before, it seemed like, well, you know, it seemed like that happens right before the, the last two years, right before the Cajun football season opener. Maybe we'll be in, maybe in early September, we'll do that again. But uh, we had a good time with Danny and Gerald and um, earlier this year. So Gerald be lots of fun. I know that. He'd bring lots of enthusiasm. All right, the game hotline is 706-0111, and we'll continue to, to uh, you know, I'm kind of jotting down some of these names. 
I, I've always been a name guy, which is a, it's kind of like choosing the favorite winner. A favorite, you know, it's kind of like predicting the NCAA tournament by the color of the jerseys, you know. But some names of horses just sound like winners. And then, like, that sounds like Epicenter's a pretty good name. Forbidden Kingdom is a pretty good name. Just got a ring to it. I normally kind of, that's like a, if I'm going to pick some, it's, the winner of the Derby's got to have a kind of a classic horse name to it. Some names, eh. So we'll see how, how, um, so I'm kind of writing down some of these names. I hope Messier don't win. That That's an awful name. So I hope that one doesn't win, but we'll see how that goes. All right, let's go back to the game hotline and talk to Paul. Hello. Morning, Foot. You really think I was going to let you get away with that next thing you said? What? No, 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 no. No, you try to throw us up there the line. You can't compare the Look, I'm a Saints fan, so I got to want to get my thoughts right. I don't want no Saints fan to be mad at. You can't compare the Saints and the Knicks. We got two championships. We are the Mecca for a reason. We created oh, basketball to what it is. Oh, we the beginning and the end. We are. That, that's why we call it the Mecca. That was now, like 50 years ago. It doesn't matter. Can't take it from us. It took the Saints <laughs> I mean, they years. count, but that was 50 years ago. In the last but, 30 years, in the last three decades, you have, you've made very good, few good decisions, the Knicks, for an we, we made a lot of good decisions and, and, and some bad ones but, and some great ones. We, we've been, we're trying to get the rank Kyrie. We try to get that they don't want to come because of the owner. We made a bad investment in Phil Jackson. we still recovering from the Phil Jackson. He, that escapade he did, he never built a team before, always inherited why did we go get him to um, try to build a team? He messed up what we had going you on. You play in the Mecca in New York City, and you can't get anything. The Saints are a small market team and make way better decisions than you have over the last 30 years. So, I mean, it's not okay. it's so, not so even Trey, a comparison. Trey Hendrickson is not a good decision. We have known to always get rid of our Trey Hendrickson is not a bad decision. Uh, I will always. do that. You, you, can't, now, you can't afford – you it's can't like, afford to pay him right there. You can't compare. It's like you trying to compare the Knicks with the Saints in these um, um, Detroit. That's like comparing the Astros to the Yankees. We're championships. We're winners. And I want to go on. And with when was the last time you beat the Astros? When was the last time you beat the Astros in a playoff series? Uh, well, we can't when you cheating. Oh, let's not go there. And Let... Cashman is one hundred percent right. No, Cashman it's, it's, is it's a not... punk, just like the punks in L.A. No. are. Everybody knows the Yankees were cheating. The Yankees were doing that before the Astros were. There's no proof about that. What do you mean? Beltron. Beltron. Look, Tom Verducci, Mr. Yankee. Tom Verducci, Mr. Yankee, wrote an article two years before the same. How the Red Sox. Uh, how, you, go, you, go, you go ride with Paul, that one. Paul, we know why. We read, Paul, look it up. Tom Verducci wrote an article and talked about how the Red Sox and the Yankees were both doing it. What, doing all this, all this st- sign-stealing stuff. And the commissioner yeah. came to it. To him and said, y'all need to stop. And Tom Verducci says, no, this is great. It's increasing the rivalry between the Yankees and the Red Sox. So everything was fine. And so, and that's when Beltron was with them. Then Beltron brought it to Houston for a year. They did it and and won a World Series. And then and then the Yankees hired them the next year. It's a line scandal. It's like the bounty gate. 
line scandal. That's what this is about the Yankees cheat. No, Bounty Gate is not cheating, cheating at all. That's the fact. See, there's a difference between a rumor and a scandal. There's no proof on us. No and proof. I, but there's proof on your Astros. So you can't say no, that th- guy th- there that is the proof. Well, yes. Oh, come on. That no, that's us. silly. What? Then in the next then in the next summer in a press conference, Cora Cora messed up and and, and uh <laughs> and spilled where's, the beans. But foot, where's the proof? In the video. Just look at the video. It's just There's that you haven't video. seen it. The video showed y'all. No, Paul. Not us. You haven't seen it because the national media is not. It's pro-Yankees and Red Sox, I, and so they suppress it. They never show it again. We we saw y'all, foot. Y'all, everybody saw it. Everybody. Oh. So you can't go around. Okay, OJ's innocent. Okay, okay, okay. OJ, OJ's innocent. We know you think OJ's innocent. <laughs> All right. I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Again, I I didn't even bring this up. It's going on right now. There's a court document. I didn't even bring it up. But I mean, since Paul brought it up, there's a court document out there right now. That the Yankees are trying to suppress. Why are they trying to suppress it? Why does the national media never show these press conferences and bring up these articles that that show how the Yankees and the Red Sox were doing this stuff before the Astros even started doing it? I mean, it, it's it. I, I that's been going on for over a week. I haven't even brought it up one time. But but I mean, it's it's the it's what it, the deal is. It's 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 all silliness. And my only problem is we already know that the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Rockies, um, you know, and I'm sure there were many more teams than that, but those were the ones that people have come out and and said they were doing it. And so I – the Astros are the only one taking the fall, and they're the big bad guys. They're taking the, t- and I got, and that's the way it is. Move on, but don't come out and act like they're just big super villains when you were doing it. That's when you become a total punk, and that, and, and that's why I call the punks the punks, because they were doing it too. And now they want to come out and act like all oh, the Astros are the biggest villains of all time, and they're so great. No. If, if the Astros are going to take all the blame, shut up and let them take all the blame. If the Astros, but don't start uh, going overboard with your and the Yankees are doing, and so they're punks too. I'm going to start calling them the punks. And Cashman, you know, is is, is trying to make himself look good by by uh, coming up with some sort of um, you know scapegoat in the Astros. But that's so convenient. Yeah, boy. Um, Judge, um, he's won a lot of MVPs since the Astros stopped that. That's so silly. So stupid. No, that's a punk move. When you know you were doing it, Major League Baseball cited you for it, and then now you want to go start pointing fingers at other people and going overboard. It's enough. Why is he still even talking about this? What a punk move. All right. Again, I didn't even want to bring this up, but they the, the stupid Yankees and punks, they keep they keep um showing how low class they are. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show next. 
Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to tell you about Cycle Zydeco. It was a festival on wheels. Experience mouth-watering Cajun food. Live performances by some of the best bands in the state. The ride will take place April the 20th through the 24th. Includes tours and uh, a tour with all kind of a attractions, options for camping and staying in hotels. Immerse yourself in Acadiana, the birthplace of Zydeco, home to Cajuns and Creoles alike, and one of the most unique cultural ex- cultures in the United States. For more information on Cycle Zydeco and how to take part, visit CycleZydeco.org. CycleZydeco.org. All right, so we've got the weekend, as I said, we said earlier, uh, in the show actually begins tonight with SEC baseball. Obviously, um, we've got, it's a huge weekend in addition. If you're a horse racing fan, all those derby races that we were talking about with Mr. Tom. If you're a basketball fan, we've got two semi national semifinal games in the Final Four at the Superdome on Saturday leading into the championship game on Monday. We've got a week before the Major League Baseball starts. But again, SEC action starts on baseball tonight with LSU against Auburn, and you can hear all that action right here on 103.7 The Game um, and uh, Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And then, of course, um, you know, all the other baseball action comes over the weekend, Cajuns at home. So big sports weekend. Tech, normally it starts on a Friday, but this week with LSU it starts um, – Tonight, so looking forward to another big sports weekend. Um, and you know, all, you never know when you're going to get big NFL news drop. Like we've had a lot of it in this offseason; it's been incredible. And then, of course, because you, you know, yesterday the big news being um, the the Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians leaves. Hopefully. The next big news having to do with the Saints is positive and that they're going to sign, whether it's Tyron Matthew or whatever, whoever. I mean, just a a veteran safety, and they can continue to um, kind of build their team to get in position to go into the draft without desperately needing. But even then, even if they pick up another veteran wide receiver, I, I still think, even though I've been totally against it for decades, um. I still think um, they need where the talent is in this draft, where 
you know, there's going to be certain teams that need cornerbacks, and there's a lot of corner. It's very possible four cornerbacks are going to be picked before the Saints pick at 18. Hopefully, three or four quarterbacks will be picked by then. Those silly people. Um, and hope. And so, I think the Saints need to pick a a wide receiver this year, and we'll see. But no, by the t- you know by the time we get back for next week, return next week, we're gonna man. It's gonna be. April. I mean, April is tomorrow. By the way, don't be. I, I asked you my, my favor. My heart is weak. I'm getting old. It's been a rough off season. Um. So we don't need any April fools tomfoolery. It's just a request. Fortunately, Hannah doesn't have a kind of eye smile on her face, so maybe she had nothing planned. I hope not. <laughs> all right. Appreciate all the phone calls. Appreciate Mr. Tom coming on. We'll be talking basketball, baseball, other things tomorrow on the show. Y'all have a nice day.